Hi, I'm Emily Roger, host of the Boiling Point Podcast. My co-host, Dave Vale, and I will bring you thoughtful discussions with leaders who are positively impacting our world. This is The Boiling Point, where leadership and inspiration meet. <laughs> Dave. Every time. Every time. Every time what? We're going to listen to that intro? <laughs> you you reboot computers. Oh, I know. Like, I it's know. like. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. So I don't want to torture anyone listening to this, but technology has not been my friend today. And, uh, and, and you kindly and patiently, along with our guests, waited for me to try to figure this out. But, wow, I love that intro. That's very fresh. Uh, yeah. First time I've heard it. So well done. So, Dave, how are you? It is like winter has kind of arrived here on the East Coast. It has. Yeah, I know. We're we're like in it. It just it was like summery and then bam, winter. Like it was uh 22 degrees and then minus 1. Um so welcome to yeah, anyone that wants to experience that come to Atlanta, Canada and you can experience that for sure. <laughs> yeah. What's, what's, when it, what's new when it gets like this? Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, what's new and exciting with you? You you got some cool travel coming up. I know that. Oh my gosh, I have some wild travel coming up. Yeah, I actually leave um in two days to go fishing for bluefin tuna. Um, heading to Nova Scotia for that, and then a couple of other local trips, and then my next big big trip is I go to Africa. Um, and, uh, I'll be over there for minimum five weeks, maybe longer working on, uh, yeah, some projects over there and it's wild. That's a, a, a dream come true trip. I think we'll have some exciting conversations after that trip. So I look forward to hear, I live vicariously through you. I think it sounds awesome. And, uh, I, I mean, I've been aware of it, but, um, there's a lot of details I'm not entirely aware of. So. I look forward to catching up on that for sure. And you will live vicariously through me until you hear all about my flights and how many flights to get to every destination. And then you will say, I'm happy it's Emily, not me, because our love for flying is totally different. Yes, yes, that was true. We figured that out a few podcasts ago for sure. <laughs> yeah. So a really uh, cool guest on our show today. We have Matt Kundal. And Matt is a someone who, I mean, like you talk about the team that comes together for the boiling point. Matt is a integral part of our team. We'll get more into that when we bring him on. Uh, but Matt is a 25-year radio veteran who has worked in Montreal, Winnipeg, Edmonton, and even the Annapolis Valley. He transitioned to voiceover and podcast in 2014 after getting restructured out of traditional media, which I'm sure there will be a story in there about that. And after being a talent coach to so many in radio, he transitioned to podcast to do the same. Matt Kundal, welcome to The Boiling Point. Thanks so much for having me. I feel like first and foremost, it is like you are the one that uh, mostly helps Dave <laughs> with his microphone. 
I'm all about the tech. It really is. It's all, really all about the tech these days. And it could be just about anything. It could be your Wi-Fi. It could be your microphone. It could be your computer. There's just so many obstacles to, to get in the way of, of a great broadcast. Yeah. And thank you so much for coming on the show. And I, uh, I wanted to have you on because Samdoff Media, your company, is the company that uh, we have hired through The Boiling Point to help us with our podcast. And I think that like navigating this whole podcast world is something that so many people are doing. And you make that happen for so many people. It's tr- I mean, this podcast has been around for, for a long time. Going right back to the early days, uh, I, and when we say early days of podcasting, I mean, the early days were 2004, but a lot of people began to sort of dabble 2015, 2016, and you could do it, but it was quite complex back then. You had to, you know, iTunes and there was Google Play and there was all sorts of strange ways to, to, to make your podcast happen. And now it's become so streamlined and so easy with so many technological toys out there that... Um, now we're able to do more. Like for instance, this is video. A lot of people may be watching this on video. They may be hearing this on audio. So with all the different ways to, to put the content out there, it's sort of where my company comes in and every day we wake up and there's something new and something different that we need to make a change or we need to make an adjustment with how we do things. Yeah. Dave, how do you feel with all the uh, technical changes and how easy they all are? To oh, simple. simple, streamlined, um, I, what, what I find amazing is is actually like you make things sound quite simple, Matt. It's actually very complex. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of things happening. And um, I'm am I alone out there in just wanting to have a podcast, but and wanting it to to get out to an audience. But all the all the things that happen in between recording something and how it gets out, I I I, I find it fascinating. But I don't really want to know it all because it just feels so complicated and convoluted to me. Am I alone in thinking that? No, not at all. It's it is, it's a very deregulated space. The it comes from an RSS feed, so this show goes out on an RSS feed, and people go, "Well, what's that?" And it's think of it as a radio transmitter that sort of beams everything out and beams out all the content. But here we are now. We're going to put out a new episode. The new episode gets picked up by the phones. Um, and then the phones, I sort of look at the RSS feed as a purse. So every time you put something new into the purse, everybody gets an update to what that is. And then eventually things like, you know, Apple and Google will come around and pick up the purse and take it and deliver it to you. So basically it's, it's a delivery system, but it's not centralized. People think of, you know, Netflix as being, that's a centralized place where you go get movies, but there is no Netflix of podcasting. It's an open to free and open space. It's very democratic. Um, you can just simply have a website and still put your stuff out. So that's one of the beauties of, of podcasts, but it also sort of keeps it a little bit complicated in, in how the distribution happens. So, and, and like, I'm just curious about your, like you have a background, radio, broadcast and television, uh, or, you know, like, is that the perfect foundation you think to build, you know, uh, in a support podcast? Like, because like when I listen to you, you got, you clearly have a radio voice. Right off the bat, first time I heard you, I was like, the guy must have been on the radio. For sure he was on the radio. Um, and and I'm just, you know, you're, you're out of radio, you're into this space now, but like, tell us about how, how, you know, leveraging that, what that knowledge and experience has helped you in this genre. So it's actually not the best. 
really? it actually runs a little bit, you know, against the grain of what podcast is. So the day I figured it out was when I learned that radio is live and local and that podcasting is on demand. So when you watch television, you can see the Super Bowl or the Academy Awards, and that's often taking place live, and you'll watch that. But then you go to Netflix, and you can watch that anytime. And it can take you about seven or eight minutes to find the thing you watch, which is much like podcasting, right? It takes you a little bit of time to go figure out which one you want to listen to. So I, I began to bust it up into two parts. And this is on-demand audio versus um, audio that, you, that, that is live and, and local. And so once I separated those two parts, I began saying, okay, radio is radio, but podcasting really has more in common with books and magazines and blogs than radio. Outside of the microphones, that's really all they, ha they have in common. One thing radio is really good at, though, is promoting and saying, hey, tomorrow morning, 8.15, be sure to be listening for this and join us for this and traffic and weather together on the ones. We're very much trained to be able to do that. Well, with podcasting, it's on demand. So trying to motivate people to go into, you know, to listen and to access the show when they have really a whole runway of, of life in front of them. It's not, you know, there's no, there's no demand for that, but radio is so strong with their promotion and they do it so well. So that's some of the things from radio that I've brought. And that's really the marketing side of things and how to market a podcast. So with you transitioning out of radio and getting into your own company and like what what happened what happened there well i got fired and you know they say everybody in radio gets fired at least once it just took me to the anniversary of my 25th year in radio before they said well you're done i thought i was going to get a cake and it was going to be a sort of a celebration of of 25 years in radio it turns out um they gave me a package out and and that was 2014 and i understand why the business of radio radically changed it began to sort of, I mean, I think there's sort of two downfalls to to radio and largely music radio if you were um, working in it. Um, probably Napster, followed by Spotify, where music became sort of ubiquitous and you could get it anywhere. And then um, social media in 2007, when that came along, you know, people got their information quicker, faster from different sources. And radio began to change again. And then the money began to disappear. People would advertise on Google and Facebook instead of their local radio station or their newspaper. And so the money began to change. And really, you know, you couldn't really afford a six-figure uh, program director to do talent coaching at that point. So you then, did you then jump right into owning, like, entrepreneurship? Like, how did that I'll come up for you. Well, there's a lot of lonely nights, I'll tell you, and trying to figure it out and, and what am I going to do next? And I started to do some radio consulting, which was okay. Um, I found consulting to be a little bit odd um, because every suggestion I was making was running into budgetary problems. And again, I kept going back into radio and there was these budget problems with, you know, we need more money in order to be able to pull off this particular stunt or event or, you know, what what you're asking us to accomplish. And then it took about to 2016 when I did a trip to Chicago to podcast movement. And I took a look around and I said, look at all these microphones. Look at all these people. And all these people are podcasting and there's ideas. And public radio was really in the space. And there were, you know, Gimlet Media was making these uh, wonderful podcasts. And people were listening. I thought, I can do this. 
I don't know exactly where the goal is, but it kind of reminded me of pond hockey. Everybody out there with a microphone doing things in this sort of infinite space. So I can keep the puck on my stick because I know how to do audio. When I see the goal, I'll be able to shoot and take a shot on that and score. And so I started my own podcast. I thought the most obvious thing to do is to start my own. And I said, well, what am I going to talk about? Sadly, the only thing I knew what to talk about was radio and broadcast. And so I did that. And then we did it every week. And then we kept on going. And then within a year, we learned a little bit more about the technology, what was right, what was wrong. And then by the second year, we hit about 2017, began to make a few partnerships. And I found everybody was really, really super kind and willing to help out. And, and you know, there's a real rising tide lifts all boats approach with podcasting because it is such a wide open space. And that if you're doing the same podcast subject that I'm doing, we can work together to grow the audience as opposed to where in, in you know, in radio, where you're looking for audience at the same time, you're trying to kill each other and you're keeping secrets and, you know, enemy and vitriol and all that stuff. It's, it's completely the opposite. So that, that what I saw in the space, it really floored me and that people were so kind and could help. Would you like this toy? Would you like that toy? Have you tried this? Have you tried that? And then there was the idea that I have to pay it back as well. So, you know, from there, and it took to about 2018 before somebody approached me and said, could you help me with my podcast? The irony was I wanted to actually use the, the radio podcast to promote my voiceover business. And in turn, I, people liked the sound of the show so much and what I was doing. They just wanted to, you know, what Dave was talking about earlier. I just want to cut through the clutter and the nonsense of all the yik yak of RSS feeds and technological stuff. And can you just help me put this out well enough so that, you know, we can get our content out there. And um, with the very first podcast, that was the deal was cut in a yoga studio between classes. I want to have a podcast. I go, okay, I'll start it. And uh, we were off and running to the races with a, with a brand new company. Awesome. I, I love that. And, and just how it kind of evolved. It sounds like you just let it, you kind of nurtured it, let it, let it evolve organically and then saw that opportunity, um, which is, you know, is a, seems to be the entrepreneur's journey often. I never got into this to be an entrepreneur. I never thought of myself as one. It, um, I think it was more of a necessity. There weren't going to be any more jobs in radio. And I, I knew that the space would, the podcasting space would be a possibility for me. And I think I remember in 2017, I attended a session. Could, you know, what if you wanted to make podcasting your full-time job? And I thought, well, that sounds like a long shot. Um, but eventually it did happen and it was possible with, you know, once I started to make a few more podcasts for other people and then learn about best practices. And then, you know, I think the mistake people make when they get let go from a, from a corporate job or from an industry that is in decline, much like broadcasting is they don't realize how many skills that they have accumulated that they can transfer over into something new. And, you know, you're more than your resume when it comes to something like that. Yes, you turn on the microphone and talk every day, but you know how to communicate, you know how to market, you know, um, definitely how to sell yourself. I actually thought one of the, the best things I could probably do is I could probably run a political campaign for anybody because radio is all about getting elected. I mean, the system is based on paper ballots and, and, and going out there and being known. Well, that's what an election is. I was essentially running an election every six months for the last 25 years. 
So I asked the Conservative Party of Canada if they wanted to hire me. They said no, and then they lost the next few elections. But I said, I can see what you're doing wrong, you know, and, and you begin to see things and, and notice that a lot of, you know, you can't read the label inside the pickle jar. But, you know, when you do enough research in radio and, you, and, and you're hanging around that, you really can begin to, you know, see and know a few more things. So any advice to somebody who does get restructured out of a declining industry, you're more than your resume. Amen. I love the, uh, you know, you brought up around just the people in the industry being so nice and just how powerful that is in itself. And like, I remember when I was a little girl, I wanted to, for a job, I wanted to work at a grocery store and it was because I loved the apron that they wore at Sobeys and the people were so nice. And I was like, I just, I want to be nice. I want to be in a, in a work environment that's nice. And so for you to say that around people within the podcast industry and that like, we can all learn and support one another in that and it doesn't have to be a competition you know i really thought that the thing right now i in 2013 i suggested to radio after i sort of saw the writing on the wall that you need to come together as a group in order to promote the medium so that people listen to it every day and it's front and center and people care about it whether it's going to be for an emergency or whether it's going to be for news information whatever it's good for but, you know, the companies that were running them, and I don't mind calling them out and saying Rogers, Chorus, Bell, possibly Stingray, you know, they weren't really interested in getting together to work towards common solutions. There was a Canadian Association of Broadcasters that was largely unutilized. And, and to this day, I, I don't think there's very much they do together to really forward the medium. They really are more interested in taking ad, declining ad revenue from one another. And, and that's largely uh, unhelpful. And when I say that, I really mean Canada. In the U.S., they're slightly better. In Europe, they're doing a much better job of of promoting themselves and and staying, you know, relevant. Even a country like Denmark, they've got subscription radio. Who's ever heard of such a thing? But they're trying it, and it's new. And you know, I'd be surprised if you went to your local radio station and found anybody on the air after after six p.m. You mentioned uh, earlier, I was just thinking about the comment. Um, I'd like to go back to it. And it's that you were saying, uh, like you said it's about necessity. Like I didn't really have a choice. And, you know, in terms of making this business work, right? And I'm just, I'm curious about, like, the reason I bring that up is that I was talking, when I first got into the coaching business, I was talking to a, a couple master certified coaches. There was actually three, um, all women, just these, these brilliant kind of amazing coaches. And, and I was trying to get a sense of how, how they were successful. And all three of them had a similar story. Like it was like, we didn't have a choice. We had to be successful. Like this had to work. Um, and, and I hear that from entrepreneurs a lot. And I even think of, you know, my own journey where there's times where it's like, man, we got to make this work because, um, you know, so what is it about, in your opinion, Matt, around necessity that just helps creativity, innovation, drive all those sorts of things? Do you see a connection there? Yeah, well, it's fear. Um, yeah. <laughs> more than that, I mean, fear is a great motivator. I think when I when I say that, I could have gone back. There were there were job offers. There was opportunity to go and take on um, you know a few positions and work with some great people too. But where would it go two years from now? What was going to happen next? What was going to be you know the the business if if it's continuing in decline, what's going to be left for you? Well, I realized I was going to be two or three years behind where we are now today. And the business that I'd started, 
was going to languish and I wasn't going to be able to keep up. I would go right back into a radio ecosystem that was hell-bent on doing the same wrong things over and over again and struggling. So, you know, it felt, I mean, really, honestly, to walk into a radio station 2017 through 2022 and then, of course, accelerated by the pandemic, it feels like, you know, bailing the ocean with a spoon. And, and you're getting into this space, which is growing. And no, the money is not the same. It's, um, you know, much less, you know, working with niche podcasts and smaller audiences. And listen, everybody loves a 50,000 person quarter hour. But then I began to sort of look and say, well, how's that measured? You know, a podcast like The Boiling Point, which has hundreds of people listening to this, where they're downloading. So you're giving up space on the phone. You're listening intently to the show. And you're coming away with some value. Well, that's pretty good. And, you know, the radio, nothing is radio. I love my local radio station at 8 in the morning. I'll pick up five minutes of news and, you know, a few laughs along the way. And it's it's just sort of a different way of consumption. But would you rather have a very large audience of thousands or would you rather have a few hundred of the right audience? So there's a definitely a different mindset. And I, I ran into it, especially... There's a, I mentioned about the comparison with radio and podcast. Radio people really need to unlearn so many bad habits before they get involved with, with this particular thing. And so I went to a longtime radio person and I said, Hey, you know, you've got this many YouTube people, you've got this many downloads and you've got the, you know, if I add all that together, that's 30,000 people who have consumed your show in the last month. He goes, yeah, that's nothing compared to what I had in radio. And I said, well, not really. I mean, those people came in for a little bit. These people are making an active choice to put push everything aside to consume and come and listen to what you're offering. And the size of thirty thousand fills a you know two nights at uh, you know at your local you know big hockey arena. So I don't know what your problem is. You're just you're not looking at the numbers properly. You've got to learn to count properly. And I get some people that come in. You know, oh, we only got eighty downloads. I think I'm going to quit. I said, well, wait a second. If I gave you the opportunity to speak to 80 people every Friday at lunch at your local club or restaurant or ga- wherever you gather, you, you take that opportunity. So why would you quit? You know, it, it, it's all how we sort of look at the numbers and break it down. We can be very fooled by them. That's why sometimes I love just being naive to things and going into things without knowing any different. <laughs> You you spoke about how your skill sets, um, you know, to not look at your resume for just what your skill sets are. And so you now have multiple revenue streams and different companies and areas that you work within. Looking back now, what skill sets did you even have back then that maybe you didn't recognize that you had have really helped propel you forward into what you're doing now? When you say back then, do you mean back in radio? Yeah. Yeah. When you were first let go, when you didn't receive that cake. Oh, I, I was so married to what I learned in radio and, and not really prepared to, to unlearn, you know, so much stuff. Um, there was a bit of a loneliness part where I think the first thing was I, I need a microphone. So I went and bought a microphone. Um, it sat in the corner. And then the second thing I needed to do was to talk into it and, and figure out how to, how to reconnect. The next thing I needed to do, and I can't believe I never learned this when I was at radio, was how to edit audio. 
I, I, I'm kind of astounded that I never really learned how to edit it while I was running a radio station. I would just go to a guy and say, Hey, can you edit this? And eventually I wound up, you know, doing all my own editing and learning a little bit about sound and getting a little bit deeper uh, into it. I'm quite surprised actually that it took that to sort of spring me into, into, into another spot um, going forward. Yeah. And then of course, learning, learning the technical stuff, which was, you know, a lot of failure um, along the way and making all the mistakes. And then when p- people say, well, why should, why should we work with you? I said, cause I've made all the mistakes you're about to make. So let me save you the trouble. There's a, as I listen to you, I, I love, the, there's a humility um, that I, I imagine attracts people to working with you. Now. You know, the, the fact, because we're all going through this, like, oh, this, this podcast journey as an example, despite having participated as a, you know, in a whole bunch, right, over the years, um, you, you just, it's like you constantly feel like a neophyte, right? And so it's it's kind of nice to feel like you can talk to someone about it and just be honest, look, I don't get this. You know, I, I feel like uh, if you were someone different, it would be more challenging to do that. But there, that level of humility, um, and it sounds like, you, you know, as you describe your experience, like you kind of went through a bit of a valley there you know, in terms of self-discovery is just what kind of goes through my brain as you share that. Um, how, do, do you find that really helps you connect with people? I just tell my story and and I'm honest about it and just say, yeah, I've already flunked at this and and I'm here to help you not flunk <laughs> at this thing. And, you know, that, that humility part, I think I, I go. I still go through it today. I can just tell you a couple of things that have happened today. I don't know how Substack works. I know a lot of people are writers and they want a podcast, and they are also on Substack. And I don't know how that works exactly. Can I embed the podcast into their Substack? So far, I'm finding the answer is no. You actually have to have the actual podcast on Substack for that. But that's a level of discovery of going through to figure out. You know, how does that work? Video is now the new thing. We're doing this right now on, on video. This is your first episode I can see that we're doing here on, on StreamYard, which is, you know, one of the technological things that has sort of sprung forward to to make it easy so that we can stream, uh, you know, with, with a lot more ease. But, you know, they're going through the same thing. How do we make it so that, you know, cr- this is easy for for creators like Emily and Dave to be able to pop on here and bring guests on and as well produce their own shows and, and you know, kick it out as, as quickly as possible. Not, so, no, 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 Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback.
I think you just need to let me know how to use this thing, which I understand in terms of screw ups. You're talking about you know the frustrations. I've been using this thing for years, and I learned today that. It hasn't been working. So, geez. Yeah, again, you know what? Like so much of the stuff, like it, it volleys technology. The technology now moves so quickly. Um, stuff becomes outdated very, very quickly. And the way things get done now, we're in this like new world of, of video, which you guys have already been involved in. So you have a bit of a head start, but I'm getting now a rush on people who are coming and saying, you know, I don't have a YouTube presence. And you know, a lot of people say they, they are discovering podcasts on YouTube. How do I get involved with that? And, you know, there's a very, very fast learning that needs to happen. You know, YouTube made the announcement last week. I'm on to this week and I'm telling people this is what you need to do in order to, you know, have your show visible on YouTube where people can see it. And these are people who have been podcasting as long as you guys have all the way back to 2015. And they have no YouTube presence and maybe have no d desire for one. But like I said, you know, the Google app is going to go away in September 2024. It will be replaced by YouTube and you're going to have to have videos on YouTube in order to participate. Your choice if you would like to do it. If you do it, you're just not going to be allowed to say wherever you get your podcasts. Because if you get your podcasts on YouTube and you're not there, hence, hence the problem. Yeah. Where do you like, and again, I'm like wanting to like kind of dig a deeper here, but it's like, you have such a great mindset and you are someone who in the conversations that I've had with you, you also have such a great perspective. And with that, it's like, where does that come from? Like, it, like, have you always had that or like in what, like, was there activities that you were doing like as a kid growing up or anything that you are able to kind of attribute what you now know to what you maybe learned back then? I think it's a heightened awareness. I'm very aware of the surroundings and what's going on and where the pitfalls are. And I, you know, I, I've had conversations with people that say, you always seem to point out the negative things before, you know, when, when, when an idea comes out and I said, I just want to point out the pitfalls. So we don't waste a lot of time getting where we, where we need to go. And so that would come from, I think probably live radio. And so every day, from two o'clock to six o'clock in Edmonton or the Annapolis Valley, or whether it was all nights in Montreal, you know, I would have to talk two or three times an hour live and people are listening and it can sometimes be one word that will, that could tank the whole thing. Somebody will misinterpret something, become offended. How can you deliver the message in a short, succinct way? So if you write something out and it comes out to a minute, can we cut that down to about 45 seconds in order to deliver the same message? All that stuff is really, really important when you're, when you're going live. What's the presentation look like? So, you know, in a podcast, for instance, what's the artwork? What's in the description? How is it going to come out in people's ears? Is it going to be too noisy? Is it going to be too quiet? Will the peas be popping? You know, every little detail, you want to get rid of all that so people can continue to listen and feel at peace and at home with what they're listening to. And if they're uncomfortable, you can make people uncomfortable on the radio by talking about the wrong subjects. Politics, for instance. You know, if you're, if you're talking politics and people aren't expecting you to talk politics, you make people feel uncomfortable, they're gone. That's not helpful. That's, that's, a, that's a problem. You know, there's, um, you know, there, I'll, I'll give you another great example. 
Uh, and I know this because you do bring people on who have, you know, for instance, have a book and, and nobody has ever thought about this, but I was taught this and I guess it's working from great coaches. Um, Valerie Geller is one of my favorite coaches in the whole world. She has a book and she, you know, has told me about, you know, tell the truth, make it matter, never be boring. Those are the three rules to going on the radio. So if I were to bring a guest on the show, onto my radio show, and they had a book, and I started to tell my audience, oh, so-and-so is here today, an author, and has a book. Well, the listener's going to think, I don't need to hear this interview because they're not going to be giving away the best parts because the best parts are in the book and they want me to buy the book. And so we would immediately see a drop in listenership on the radio because people knew that. The only other time we would see that sort of drop on the radio was when we had a politician in and people knew they were not going to get the truth. Those are the only two times I could really sort of pinpoint, like constantly looking at ratings and seeing, you know, the dropping. So in order to be a good communicator, and this is to answer your question, Emily, about how did, how do you know how to communicate that stuff? I go right back to Valerie, tell the truth, never be boring, always make it matter. Good advice. Excellent advice. Um, so, you know, you've, you've had a chance to listen to the bowling point a number of times, probably more than you care to share. Um, love you. What, what do you have? What advice do you have for, for me as a, as a host in terms of, in terms of making, you know, like, like just what's an area of opportunity that you see? I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but, uh, you know, in terms of sharing a perspective, I'd love to hear it. I, I don't need to give you too much advice because I think you're genuinely curious. And so the questions you've asked, you I mean, you're following along with the conversation, you're listening, by the way, listening back to the people you're interviewing, you'll be surprised the number of people who don't do that. And I'll point to Terry Gross, who's the host of Fresh Air, NPR down in the States, who I had no idea even existed up until 2017 when I saw her speak in Philadelphia at Podcast Movement, by the way. But for those who are lucky to catch fresh air on NPR, she's one of, she's the best interviewer out there, I think, next to Howard Stern. She she said something, said, be sure to listen. Listen back to what you know you're what they're saying. And she played a clip of the time she wasn't listening, and somebody went off the rails and said something tremendously offside. And she had to say, Whoa, 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 back up. Did you say? And she said, I wasn't listening. And so being curious is part of it. And then always listening back, but you're doing both those things right now, Dave. And, you know, we're having a great free flow conversation. Lots of people are watching. They're still in In the audio side of things. This is being recorded. It will be a separate audio experience when it's consumed in audio. So we'll be able to edit it back. So that's fine. And there's nothing wrong with being edited because again, it's like I said, I wrote something out to a minute. I cut it to 45 seconds and I can go to air with it. Another rule from Valerie Geller, anything you can record, you can make better. I find that, Emily, I don't know if you find this. I find it, I, like, I want to just jump into the conversation, but we also have our notes, right? That we've been, we've been given ahead of time. And, and I find it, um, it's almost challenging, right? Because you want to follow the conversation, the thread of the conversation. And it's just good stuff you want to ask that, that we've got as a pre-read. I think Matt's always said, you know, just the pre-read is what it is. Um, stick in the conversation. But for me, it, it's like it's a bit of a balancing act. Do you find that as well? I actually don't really look at the notes. 
<laughs> like I, I do to get to know the guest, but then I think that I just get so in, like ingrained in the conversation of what's being said. I shouldn't say I don't look at the notes, but that it, it, for me, it's like, yeah, I just, I just, I guess I am just curious and I want to know, like even right now, my mind is going to what is it, Matt, that makes a good radio voice? Like, why is your, like, what is it about your voice that just makes it pleasing to people's ears to listen to? I think speaking from the chest and the stomach is the physical part. But I think, I think learning how to be around a microphone and, and, you know, knowing your microphone is really key. Um, it could, I'm, I've, I've worked with the wrong ones before. Um, so it's kind of like a hockey stick, you know, you go out there and this is my stick. No, nah, it's not my stick. I like this stick better. And you go with that one. Having your favorite pen at work is always going to, going to work if you're going to be a writer. But I think, you know, what makes somebody so compelling in, in the audio world is writing. Um, so if you know how to write, you're going to be really good at this. And the other thing I was going to mention, um, is really about, you know, from the coach's side of things and, and you, you know, Dave was mentioning about preparation and Hey, I've got these notes and we want to follow along. So I would probably look at this from two sides and this is Bill Parcells, New York giants head coach for many years. And he won two super bowls there, 50% preparation, 50% execution. So you've done the preparation, you have it in front of you. This is the execution part and you have to be prepared to, to pivot and make changes along the way. So Emily's already done that. She's read it, she's prepared, and now she's just executing. And Dave, you've got a playbook. You're, you want to stick to the playbook, but at the same time, you know, you, you can, you can, you can, take a deviation and come back if you want. You have yeah. you have permission for that. Good advice. Good yeah. advice. Yeah. And and probably I haven't done as much preparation as I should have. Uh so I'm kind of you know just full full disclosure. I'll be balancing. Nobody both. needs to know that. Yeah, well so so we're gonna edit that out or not. It doesn't matter to me because it's the truth. <laughs> you You're humble. <laughs> Uh, Matt did say that that you have to be honest. That being yeah. honest is oh, what man. makes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And then and and knowing your mic. Well, clearly, I don't. We've we've established that. Uh, I cannot figure. Out. I have a mic that doesn't work, so I'm using an internal mic in my uh, in my computer. Yeah, and and again, that could be. You know, it's so many people they buy microphones, USB ones, and then they want to add a second one, and I'm like. You, you need another part for that. And then it's another few hundred bucks. And I can so understand how it gets discouraging for people, you know, who, who want to start. I mean, listen, if you want to start a podcast, you can just pick up your phone and just record into your phone and yeah. you can upload it. And that's a podcast. I, I think though, with, with the choice of 4 million podcasts out there today, that you want to make the best possible one that you can in order to compete and make a good listenable experience for everybody. And the number of people who say, well, I don't need to edit my show. Or I doesn't matter about the content because uh, you know you know the content will speak for itself. Well, it won't speak for itself if people find it unlistenable. Mm. Yeah, there was a podcast that I was listening to once, and I really wanted to listen to it because it had great content that I wanted to hear. But I I think the guy had a like a, a mint in his mouth. Like there was something, there was some sort of a noise that I'm like, I can't I cannot handle this anymore. <laughs> like, well, that's the beauty, is we're allowed to shut it off, right? We can 
because I I've had the same thing or the topic just veers in a way, and I'm like, ah, I don't. This is just like too negative or so, you know whatever it is. You can like, which which goes to show you can lose your your audience pretty quick. Negativity um, is not good. It's no. uh, especially in podcasts. You know, you're you're got your headphones on. You want to listen to something nice, and you know when you hear people yelling at each other, it will make your heart rate go faster. And you're like, I don't think I want to be a part of this. Uh, I don't I don't feel so good. So th- then you'll then you'll stop and turn it off and find something else. Speaking of heart rate going faster, um, I'm going to completely change the subject because Matt, I know a fun fact about you, and that is that you have caught a salmon over 40 pounds. True. Happened in 2017. So we go right back to that period when I was like, uh, you know, I was, I was kind of coming into my own in, in the podcast space and it was obviously a year of good fortune and uh, went fishing. My mother um, is an avid fisherman, fisherwoman, and she goes every year and she invited me and um, we were on the Grand Cascopedia River. And I think I got, I got one earlier in the day and then a little bit, I could afford to take a few more chances later in the day. And I think, oh, so we pulled out an unusual fly and threw it in. And it was, I think about an hour and a quarter, an hour and a half fighting with a big one. And, um, the guide said, I think this is over 40. And, uh, when we landed her, she was 41 pounds. And from there on my family, this was the first time anybody had landed a 40 pound salmon out of the Grand Cascopedia river, which is sort of considered the threshold of the granddaddy of, uh, of all fish. And, um, and my family has uh, resented it to this day and I haven't been invited back. (laughs) (laughs) What, what more is there to catch? Exactly. Anyhow, if you're uh, driving down 229 in um, Highway 229 in, in Quebec, which I think starts in saint anne des goes down uh, near Mariah, uh, Martha's Run was the pool. Amazing. A 40, I mean, that is a big fish. And the Grand Cascopedia is, that. I think that is one of the most beautiful rivers in the world. Like not even just in Atlantic Canada, but in the world. And it uh, definitely gets some big fish in that river. And that is pretty unreal. And I love that too, around you saying that, you know, you got one in the morning, it's kind of like the pressure was taken off a little bit. And I wonder if it would have been the same experience. And if that fish, which I mean, we'll never know, but had have still been landed, if you maybe had not have got the one in that morning, and there was a little bit more at stake. Yeah, I probably would have gone with a more conservative fly. Um, and, and which is yeah, probably, I probably, I was sort of, egg, if I hadn't caught the one in the morning, I wouldn't have gotten the one in the afternoon. I would have gone with a more conservative fly and I, I would actually have no fish that particular day. And I'd still be looking for, um, for the 40 pounder. You wouldn't be as resented in your family though. Yeah, I know it hasn't done good for family relations and I'm not the most avid fisherman. You know, my sister is, and my mother is, and they're, they're, they're upset. Um, Which makes it more infuriating for them, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the other thing, but I was thinking, what a what a beautiful metaphor for life, too, right? Like taking chances, taking risks, trying something new, not being conservative. You know, we're talking about entrepreneurship and and uh, you know launching a, a career, um, you know, in this world, in the podcast world, in the voiceover world. Um, I, I'm guessing you probably had to to to, to be 
unconventional and, and not, you know, take some risks and, uh, and use some flies that you may, might not have used otherwise. Yeah. You know, I, I listen to podcasts like this one that talk about, oh, you know, taking risks and being bold. And I'll, I'll be honest, I, it's a, I've got the mentality of an 11 year old and I've start, I just start a fire and then I say, let's see what happens if we throw some crud on it. That's it. <laughs> and I, lo- I, I love, and that is that thing of like, you know, for me of like really wanting to get to know people and just like what their interests are, what their passions are, because what metaphors we can draw from other things that we do and we enjoy and apply it to life. And I know Matt, for you also, you're big into yoga. You have actually sent me some tips on doing uh, handstands and headstands. And even with that, it's like, what do you learn? What can you take from yoga and apply it professionally within your companies as well? Go to yoga so you can get off the computer and get off social media. I think that you can't bring your phone in there and do anything. So it's, um, you know, the same thing when you go fishing, right? You, you know, there's probably no reception where you're going. So it's just good to get away from all that stuff. But I think just going, the movement is important because, again, you can see me. I'm sitting here most of the day. There's a microphone. If I have to redo a voiceover, I can go to the microphone in the corner, which is, oh, I get to stand. And so we're really developing and moving into a spot where I can be completely sedentary. And, and so, okay, I'm going to get up and go to yoga. I'm going to see other people. And there's going to be a community of people there. And they'll be different. And, but we're all going to be able to do you know, some movement together, learn some new things, and, and just to stretch. You know, changes you know, the mindset. It changes um, a little bit of you know, the, the course of your day. So we're talking about going upside down. I try to go upside down once a day just to change perspective or at least clean the blood out of my head. One of the two changes the circulation of your body and gives you a chance to maybe, and I think maybe I don't have any evidence of this, that it gives you a a new perspective on maybe some of the things that are troubling you. And so I really, I do enjoy going upside down, whether it's, um, I think the pose you were doing was a pinch of Marianasana, which is sort of a flat armed. Were you doing the flat armed hand or were you just doing a straight handstand? Uh, I don't know what I do. Whatever I do scares me. Yeah. So, Um. you know, use a wall. And I think that's another thing, depending on the type of yoga you do or the props. So there's blocks, there's, um, you know, sometimes there's, there's a belt, like a rope, as it were, just so you can help yourself. There's some pads, there's some blankets, you know, using the props, they're there. So when you're, you know, doing any form of work, use the props that, 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 that you're given, um, to help out whatever it is that, that you're doing. I, I just, and what a beautiful metaphor in that for anything that we're doing of like, what, what props are out there to help us? What support system is out there to help us? I don't ask for nearly enough help. Um, I was ta- I was actually mentioning about the pivoting. You know, people need help with the video. Well, I'm going to go find video help. I, you know, I can't to be able to sit and to do video work. I do. I've learned to do some video work. You know, um, sometimes I'll edit maybe this particular podcast and maybe edit this video, but to do some more specific stuff for the stuff that people really want these days is pretty, it's pretty interesting. I'm not sure I'm the right person to do it, especially being Gen X. I'm, I'm over 50. And if you roll back to what, you know, what we're like. It was all very refined television. It was kind of perfect. And then millennials came along and then, you know, they were shooting something a little bit different, a little more easygoing. And now the Gen Z's are upon us and they don't care what they put up. They'll shoot anything with a camera and it just goes right up. And, and, but 
most people around 50 and older, they're a little conscious about what it looks like and what it sounds like. And if it's not perfect, they'll be uncomfortable with it. And I'm uncomfortable with it. So I'm looking to, you know, hire people who understand video a little bit younger and to sort of, you know, help me unlearn what is ingrained in me. Greg Hemmings is someone you should reach out to. He, he knows the medium pretty well. Hey, he's not, he's not much younger. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's a fabulous guy. He's got a, a And I believe he's coming up as a guest. Is that correct? That is he correct. He is. Yeah. Now yeah. Talk about a free flow conversation. Where yeah. Not well, not being perfect and just rolling with it. Um, He's got a lot of Gen Z in him. He does. Yeah, that's a good thing. That's a very yeah thing. for being a Gen X guy. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, Matt, this has been phenomenal. I just appreciate you. You are yeah, like Dave pointed out, you're some so humble. You're just cool to talk to. Um, so thank you so much for coming on the boiling point for working with us for being a part of, uh, our little team and getting our message and our podcast out into the world and to all of our listeners. And so we are going to list all of Matt's information and any of the extras that we have discussed in the show, in the show notes, including, um, where you can find Matt and hire him to also help you like he help, helps us. And the best place to find all of that is on our website at boilingpointpodcast.com. We are active on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. And we put the video versions on YouTube and Facebook. And of course, the podcast is available on all of your favorite podcast platforms. And, and just a quick shout out. Like, I'm just experiencing real time um, this platform and what you're doing and and. Uh, the cameras coming in and out and all these things that we haven't seen before, Emily, or I haven't seen before. Maybe you have, I don't know. Um, and then like a the little stuff scrolling across the bottom for people that are watching the video. Um, very cool. Like it's, uh, I'm, I'm just like kind of blown away just to experience this, having not seen this before. So um, love the conversation and uh, thanks for working with me through the, uh, the technology, the, the uh, ubiquitous technology challenges that I'm, I'm constantly up Every day for all of us. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Follow or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app or visit boilingpointpodcast.com for more. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.